We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Kansas have the best top to bottom running back group in the Big 12? We'll talk about that and more. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome to Booth Review, presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise Bank is a trusted business partner that can serve you uh, anywhere that you need it. Emprise Bank, member FDIC, uh, our partners in Possible. They've been absolutely wonderful, and it's been great to, uh, to be working with them. It's great to be working with Scott Chasen. Find him on, on Twitter at Chasen Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. I, I got it right. Oh, yeah. I, I I was like, why are you emphasizing it? No, Ken has had a very hard time. He keeps getting the wrong handle, which in fairness, at Scott Chasen would be a logical Twitter handle. Yeah. It just happens to be some guy who has a private account and zero followers. And a fun fact is... I tried to get the account from this guy several years ago, and he blocked me when I asked him. So, uh, right. at Scott Jason is not a fan of at Jason Scott. Uh, well, it just keeps like I would type in your name, and I like I'm I feel like I'm doing it right, and I try mm -hmm. to select it. Like I was doing it on my desktop. Every time I was doing it on my desktop, it kept defaulting to this random Chicago White Sox fan that's toasting a beer in his picture. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I kept I did it, I did it like twice. In like a matter of days, it was ridiculous. Uh, you did it enough for me to actually one have to say something, and two wonder if it was intentional a little bit to slight me. I swear, I swear, I know your Twitter handle because I mm -hmm. think we, I think I had it like written down for the show last week too. Like I had it prepared because like I was like I got to make sure like you know to to get it right, and then I just screwed it up like twice. Well, so Ken, that's I don't have yours prepared, so why don't you plug your own Twitter? Too? <laughs> Well, I went after uh, at Kent Swanson at one point, too. Some guy in Canada has it. I'm at Kent underscore Swanson. Uh, I'm Kent Swanson. I don't know if you, if you, have, you haven't heard me on this uh, the, the KU channel yet. 
I do a lot of stuff for the Chiefs uh, on the, for KCSN, so that's primarily where I've been covering. But I am hyped to be doing the show with with Scott at Chasing Scott on Twitter. Uh, dude, I, you had a chance to get out to uh, you had a chance to get out to camp this week. Yeah, no, I got uh, I had the chance to go out to practice, and it was fun. You know, um, in my time covering Kansas, there have been a lot of practices. A lot of them have been very boring and involved just like ten minutes of stretching or whatever, but. Um, things have kind of opened up. I, I think it, it started with the Les Miles regime. Um, they had us out to a bunch of practices. And then, um, yeah, with Lance Leipold, things have been pretty open. And, and so, yeah, I got the chance to go out and just see how people were looking. Kent, I will tell you, body-wise, the first guy who stuck out to me, Jalen Daniels. And Ooh. maybe not a name you'd think, but, like, he looks thicker. He looks like he's in great shape, and he looks like a legitimate Big 12 quarterback. And for a guy that, you know, you saw years ago when he was 17, I, I think that stands out. But there are a lot of guys that I think you can tell the kind of strength and conditioning program um, has made a mark with a lot of guys on this team. So I think that's a that's a light bulb staple. But no, it was, a, it was an interesting experience. I got to see um, some schematics, which I am sworn to secrecy on. Kent knows this. Um, they are very, uh, very top secret trade secrets. But um, no, it was fun. It was exciting. And um, there were a lot of guys that caught my eye, a lot of guys I want to talk about today. Yeah, we're gonna have to get into a lot of them. Uh, I told you, when I found out that that Scott was going uh, to practice, the one name I had to ask him about was Craig Young. How did Craig Young look, just physically? Yeah, and and see, I was disappointed because I spent most of my time around the offensive guys. But look, Craig Young looks legit, and and there are like this was more of a Les Miles thing, I think, than a Lance Leipold thing. There were a number of guys just like body type. You'd be like, that's not a Kansas football player, like Dejon Terry. You, you said that about Marcus Harris, even Steven Parker, he was a thinner guy, but he was just like so lanky and long and he moved so quickly. Like there, there were a number of those guys. There aren't as many that I would say on this team that are just like, oh yeah, that's a, a giant human being or something. But the way they're put together, I think looks a little bit different. Um, especially like Devin Neal is a guy, for example, who got to KU built and, and he looked like he could be a college guy day one. He looks you know, like his body has taken the ne next step. And I think the same is true of some of the receivers. I think defensively you look and you, you see, again, just guys whose body types are going to prepare them better um, for kind of a grueling and long season. So, no, Craig Young falls into the category of looks like a guy who transferred from Ohio State. Um, and I, I think that's important for KU because even though they're not going to, you know, all be giants, I think having having a good blend of those guys matters. Well, yeah, they definitely like some of the guys that we have seen to this point definitely look rocked up for sure. Like you see like and you uh, Jalen Daniels, like I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, like I wondered where his neck went uh, during like when you saw him like suited yeah. up for media days. I was like, uh, what happened to this man? Like he's definitely denser. And I think I, like Devin Neal carries his body extremely well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and he, like just even like I mean, it looks like he's put on some weight from the some from some of the reports that you're seeing from KU Athletics, um, which is. I mean, but he's always seemed to like carry his his weight extremely well, especially as a even as a young kid. Um, yeah. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about, about the running backs coming out of that group. I mean, obviously this is a this is a reason to be excitement. Like it, it's almost becoming for for the for the for the diehard KU football fans. I think running backs almost become this like afterthought because there's so much depth and talent there that, you know, people are just kind of like, okay, we have something good here. Now let's try to like, try to poke holes in the rest of it, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and see like yeah. what the issues are. But I mean, what were your impressions of the running back room? Like from what you saw and, you know, maybe some takeaways from there. Well, I, I think body type, they're all 
kind of vastly different, right? Devin Neal is, he can pretty much do it all. I, I would be stunned if he's not the number one guy. Kai Thomas was a little bit stockier than I thought he was going to be. And that's not me saying stocky to mean out of shape or something. I, I just mean he's a little bit more stocky, smaller than I thought he'd be. Um, but no, he looked impressive. Daniel Hyshaw, that's the guy to me. His body, I, he's always been a bowling ball. He's always been the power back. He's always been a downhill runner. Just a guy you can send out in short yardage situations. And they were doing that when he was a freshman. That dude is jacked. That dude is in great shape. And we didn't get to see Savion uh, Morrison. He wasn't out there. I think they said they gave him a little bit of a break um, just because maybe he's been going through some stuff or maybe he needed it. Um, I, I think it was more physical, though, and I don't think, I think that's he, of a concern. And I think he had though. some issues in the spring as well, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So there's some that. Yeah, but the, they've got a room. And, like, Tory Lachlan is now the fifth running back, which, as a side note, Tory Lachlan has bounced quarterback to running back to receiver back to running back. I, he's been everywhere. At one point, someone on the coaching staff told me he could play linebacker. Um, Tory Lachlan, I, I think what I, he had a play last year where I think he was like split out wide or something. He had like a 35 yard touchdown. And it was like, Oh yeah, they can use this guy too before he had an ankle injury. So no, I, I think that's a, I, I think that's legitimately in competition to be the best running backs room in the big 12. I don't think mm-hmm. it is. I think it's like probably third, maybe. Um, but I think it's definitely up there. I think it's versatile and we'll talk about Andy Kotelnicki in a little bit, but he had a quote where he basically said something to the effect of there's no rule that says you can't play four running backs at the same time. <laughs> and that is like the, Oh, Hey, a lot of this team's best players are running backs. And like, to be honest, I'm kind of shocked. They were able to bring this collection of talent together. Um, and these guys were all sort of willing to make it work, bringing in two transfers like this. Um, knowing that like, if you're Savion Morrison, your RB three, probably, I mean, he can do other things. He can split out wide or whatever, but that, that competition to me is exciting for KU. I think, I think that's the definite strength of this team. Well, and, and I, you, you kind of wonder maybe like Daniel, Daniel Hashaw gets forgotten about a little bit probably. And you probably, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily banking on him to, you know, return to full form or, you know, they're just kind of planning. I know Andy, Andy Kolnicki, one of his phrases is, having a pair and a spare. Mm-hmm. So like he's always focused on having three running backs, but I think when you look at the group in itself, there's a lot of per, like there's not there's enough stylistically that I think you can still make it all work and still make a lot of guys happy, right? Like I think we talking you said Sevion Morrison, he's not going to be used the exact same way that Devin Neal is and Sevion Morrison can kind of be a guy that can get some manufactured touches. You try to give him mm-hmm. some easy plays out on the edge. You've got some guys that can you know, some, you know, some capable tight ends, some, you know, bigger bodied receivers. We talked last week about, you know, just simple throws outside, you know, maybe you're trying to get Sevian Morrison on the edge for some simple, you know, simple, easy manufactured plays like that, just to try to generate some offense and put some stress on some of these, maybe some of the secondaries that they want to exploit in that area. So I think there's enough, I think they have enough to feed all these mouths, but um, I am fascinated to see what the totality of that group does wind up looking like and how they wind up kind of, you know, mixing and matching. And some, honestly, I think some weeks it's going to be, it'll be a Devin Neal game. Some weeks it'll be a Daniel Highshaw game. Uh, and who knows, maybe some days, some weeks it'll be a, a Tory Lachlan game. Who knows? <laughs> I, having five capable running backs is yeah. pretty impressive, though, for a roster that's had so many issues in so many other different places. Yeah, I want to do two things. One, I want a fantasy football draft. Like before the first game, I want us to like fantasy forward, like daily fantasy, like some, <laughs> some combinations here. Cause I think early in the season, like running backs, receivers, like there's so much variety. Second, I want to throw out a comparison and see how you feel about it. How the chiefs use Dexter McCluster with Savion Morrison, something like that. 
you know, maybe. I mean, like, I I could see a little bit of that. You know, I I, I don't. I'm trying to figure out if there's someone I would comp what the Chiefs could use Sevion Morrison for. Almost like, yeah, a, a little bit of Dexter McCluster maybe, but even some of what they used Tyree Kill for in his rookie year too, or some of the stuff that they used McCole Hardman on for the Chiefs this year. So you know, you you, you find a way to get Sevion Morrison in the slot and use him on some of those reverses, which is similar to what Dexter McCluster did. But you know, some of the tap passes. Where you know, uh, you know, you kind of just the quarterback just kind of just tosses the ball in front of him to a, a motioning kind of receiver or running back. I think Sevion Morrison's perfect for those kind of plays. Um, some of the plays out on the edge a little bit too, like you know, get get him involved a little screen game a little bit. So it's like a, it's like a, uh, and obviously just traditional carries too. Hmm. I think that's where like the the, the Dexter McCluster stuff, with like the Chiefs really were using Dexter, the the un, the behind this you know under center stuff, the, the in the backfield stuff, like didn't really manifest itself, especially mm-hmm. during the Andy Reid area. So I think Sevion has a little bit more versatility to how he can be used within an offense than what Dexter McCluster does. But, I mean, I think there's some, there's definitely some crossover there too at the same time. Yeah. Do you remember, this is such a tangent, do you remember when like Dante Hall would get random running back carries? <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they saw what happened and then just, you know, hey, we're going to try to run this outside zone play and, you know, it turns out the human joystick can't do as much out there against, you know, uh, top shelf NFL defenders without a side, you know, working to the <laughs> sideline. Didn't go yeah, as without, pretty. Without 60 yards of, of headspace yeah. to kind of figure out what's it, going on. It didn't go pretty. It, yeah. it was more of a, you, you know, it didn't go as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a little different. Hey, if you if you counted yards by like the thing that counts your steps instead of distance, right, he would have been the best running back in NFL history. But um, Easily. I, I want to go back to a Devin Neal thing. I have, I have like a fun Devin Neal story that came from uh, his time at, at Lawrence High when I went to his season opener and I was just taking video. I like, to be honest, it, it was a game where he was going to rush for a billion yards and they were going to win by 50 and he didn't yeah. even play in the second half. He had, I, I went back and looked at the story I wrote. I've got the stats. He had six carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns, two catches, 51 yards, another touchdown. Uh, that included a 43-yard touchdown catch where he was untouched. Like it was the play, he kind of faked like he was going to block, went out for a screen, you know, pretty basic, caught the ball, gone. Um, there was blocking, and and he was really fast. But what stuck out to me, and I think it's why he had success last year, was it was like a combination of patience and decisiveness where, you know, I, I thought at times last year, Velton Gardner had too much patience, and that was, of course, before he transferred. But like he couldn't pick the hole, and, and sometimes there wasn't a hole, you know, to his credit. But Devin Neal, like, at least when he committed, even if it wasn't the right one, he was decisive, he was gone. And you know what? If he's going to fall forward for three instead of maybe trying to, you know, jump back and make something happen, like, he knew who he was. And I I think that breeds so much success for him because he is mature in every aspect, like off the field, leadership, everything, I, I think beyond his years. And I think he's always been that guy. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with with Devin Neal. There is a there is a patience to his game, and I I, I watched the Texas back game a couple weeks ago. I think I referenced that last week, you know, with one of the Jalen Daniels throws. But there's a couple plays from from Devin Neal when you're watching him, and things were blocked up a lot better. But it's not like the it's not like the the KU offensive line was necessarily changing the line of scrimmage too much. They're still playing from a neutral position a lot of times. They're catching guys and trying to redirect and kind of just give. You know, what outside do- zone does is give your running back a lot of options and a lot of cutback lanes based on how the, the play is being blocked. You don't necessarily have to be aggressive down the field as a blocker 
it's more of a it's it's more of you know kind of stalling out neutrally at the line of scrimmage, right? So you know, I think Devin Neal did a really good job seeing some cutbacks, but he was patient enough to let those blocks develop. And I don't know if he always made the right decisions necessarily where you know with with where he was hitting the hole, but he found solutions pretty quickly. And that was pretty impressive for a young kid. And I think a couple of his plays, you know, he kind of, one of, I think might've been one of his touchdowns uh, uh, or maybe it was his only touchdown. I think it was in the first half, you know, he, he, he got in a little bit of trouble, but able was able to kind of cut back inside and find a, find a running lane inside. And like, I think that's a trait that he's definitely got. Um, so I mean, it's only going to get better and the blocking's only going to get better. And things are only going to continue to progress with that outside zone stuff that this team likes to run. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I think just also his you know connection, familiarity with Andy Kotelnicki, and also I think the program's understanding of who he is like Lance Leipold had a really self-reflective quote early in the season last year. Maybe that had something to do with Felton Gardner and things not working out, but where he was basically like, Hey, I should have played this guy more. Um, <laughs> I should have played him more earlier. Um, yeah. and, and like coaches, I mean, sometimes they say stuff like that. So I don't want to be like a coach has never said that that's the highest compliment anyone could pay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to say that about a freshman and to say that about a guy like Devin Neal, who I think we all acknowledge I mean, he's not going to be the best running back in the Big 12 this year. I, I think anyone who wants to be in that conversation, it, it's like Bijan Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, and then like, okay, now let's have a conversation about who the best back is. Um, but he's got the potential to be a top three, top four running back in the Big 12 as a as a sophomore and to continue to only get better from there. You know, I don't think his career trajectory will follow um, and this wasn't Puka Williams' fault. I think it had a lot to do with like the teams he played on and the pieces around him. But Puka Williams' most productive year was arguably his freshman season. And really by the end, I mean, Khalil Herbert, it, with the same offensive line, the same scheme as him, Khalil Herbert was having more success when he than he was when he decided to transfer. And then Khalil Herbert said, oh, look what I can go do at another school. And for a few weeks, he was like a Heisman candidate. He was as productive and prolific an offensive player in the country as anyone. So I don't see that for Devin Neal. Like I, I see this kind of continued growth um, and journey. I think that's really excited. And yeah, it kind of goes back to how good he looks. And Kent, if I can use a, uh, uh, a transition here, why don't you talk about how good you look? Because you're wearing a pretty cool t-shirt. <laughs> how about that? That's right. We have a new partnership with mm-hmm. Charlie Hustle here at KC Sports Network. Scott and I are both repping some, some stuff here. I think... 
Uh, you know, I've got something obviously from the Arrowhead collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott rocking the uh, crimson and blue KC shirt, which is just, I mean, come on. It's like, I feel like that's become iconic. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like that, that is just becoming iconic and such a cool part of Kansas City. And we're so excited to be partnering with Charlie Hustle uh, on this show and everybody at KC Sports Network is as well. Uh, so if you're looking for some game day shirts, some stuff to rep when you're out at the Kingdom Bar watching uh, a Chiefs game or or whether you're, uh, you know, you're at Memorial Stadium, Charlie Hustle has plenty of stuff uh, for you to be repping. And you can even mix and match uh, week over week. They've got so much stuff going. What a Scotty, you're a professional. It, it was it was rough. But you know how like Charlie Hustle sends sends us shirts so we can, you know, promote them and, and share them. It's really cool that Emprise Bank is the sponsor because they just send us boxes of cash. So, oh, yes, yes. That is uh, that is actually contractually in our uh, mm-hmm. in our deal. So it's it's great. I if you don't 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 mind that box off uh, off camera here, just don't even yeah. worry about that. It's just it's just filled to the brim. Filled to the brim. <laughs> uh, you know, you said something interesting. You know, you're you're stacking up running back rooms a little bit. You're stacking up like I don't think Ku has the trump card at running back of a like for a Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. for a Deuce Vaughn. The list might that might be the list. Yeah, that is the list. I think that is the list. Um, but man, one through five. We we should have we can have a conversation here. Like Bijan Robinson might just be enough to elevate him, you know, the way Patrick Mahomes elevates, you know. I that might be enough. I like Deuce Vaughn, but like I think Deuce Vaughn is, you know, I don't I'm not slandering Deuce Vaughn, but I think Bijan Robinson is the clear cut. Like if yeah, I'm looking at a agree. prospect, that's the guy I want. Um, but man, one through five with that group, I mean, you're that might it probably rivals almost every group to your point, like you were kind of talking about earlier. And that's stunning. Uh, the rich got richer when Kai Thomas came. Uh, I think that was a sneaky great addition. And Sevian Morrison adds something a little bit different. But like, why don't you go... And it ties back to... It does tie it back to Devin Neal a little bit because like, I think one of the things that's valuable is the pressure's off for him to to necessarily be a workhorse. workhorse. You can kind of give some other guys carries that you can trust a little bit. And you don't have to feel the pressure to you know, run that kid into the ground as a true sophomore, you know? So I think that can come become very valuable as the season progresses, honestly, um, yeah. because I mean, he's, he's great. And, and he, he, he toted the rock late last year. Well, but like, I think you have enough guys that you can trust to put the ball in their hands in a lot of different ways. I'm going to use a Kent Swansonism um, that, you know, that you brought out last week. I thought it was, it was still a good point that in college, there's still a lot of, or not maybe a lot, but some of the, you know, X's and O's versus Jimmy, Jimmy's and Joe's. And like, mm-hmm. are you just better? And I, I think that there's still that. And I think that applies to like running back. I mean, that's Bijan Robinson. Like he's in a different tier. Um, Adrian Peterson, Leonard Fournette, like you can run down the list of a million running backs. I don't know why those two popped into my head, but um, like there are certain guys who are just like in that elevated tier. And then there's like everyone else in the like, oh yes, you're a, you're going to be a great college football player. You're competing to be a great college football player tier. And I think Devin Neal is kind of like you were saying and and where I have him at least, I think he's running out there, but I think I agree like the collection of talent, like if Kai Thomas is your second running back, you feel pretty good. If Daniel Hyshaw is your fourth running back, you feel, you know, fantastic because what Daniel Hyshaw was like KU second or third running back as recently as like a a year or two ago, Mm -hmm. like I guess depending on like health and whatnot. So um, 
I did want to I did want to ask you about Andy Kotelnicki because we heard him. He talked to the media, and he is one of my favorite people just to listen to talk. <laughs> yeah, I like I do too. I listened to the <laughs> press conference. Too. I loved it. <laughs> he he just has an interesting way of describing things, and he always throws out like he is not averse to talking football philosophy. And I think it's because he's so secure in himself. Like mm-hmm. he will tell you exactly how he's thinking the game. I think he wants to make you smarter um, when he talks to you, and I don't think guys are always like that. So. I liked a couple of things he said. He talked about personnel being the system. Um, I think good coaches feel that way. That's an Iowa State thing. I know Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports I used to work with. He would always call out Matt Campbell's philosophy of, well, let's see now, I've forgotten it. It's like personnel formation system or something like that, where like it it player it starts with players basically. Then it I think, goes you, I think you, it was, yeah, you said, I think you might have texted it to me. It was like, pers- it was personnel uh, formation play call or something like that. Something along those lines. But um, I think this KU staff is very similar. And it sounds like this year they're working way more on situational football than fundamental football. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge for them too because all football coaches are psychopaths and they all want to spend time on that. Well, what if it's third and 18 or what if it's third and two or what if there's a minute left and you're on the 20 and you need to feel like they all want to work through every situation. And it sounds like this year they're getting to do that. Well, I think about some of the plays last year where like <laughs> do you remember like the sugar the sugar huddle that they would run where they'd mm-hmm. sit the center up on basically every crucial third or third fourth down. down in the game and short they're going to sugar huddle, they're going to run the line of scrimmage and run the play and the conversion rate had to be like 10%. Like it just, worked like the first time. It definitely worked like the like first time. South Dakota. <laughs> sure. Like I just like the, the sugar huddle stuff just it looked awful, but that might have been a like if you're thinking through the logic of why they might have been running that kind of stuff, they said, Hey, we haven't had a lot of time to focus on situational football. We're gonna try to gain a tactical advantage. We're gonna try to one of the other comments a lot of coaches will use is stealing time in practice and that's so crucial in college because you're so limited to the amount of time that you can spend with these kids so coaches try to steal time a lot and you know it's it's forcing teams to prepare for things so hey the short yardage package we're gonna we're these KUs they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sit the center up and then they're gonna sprint to the line of scrimmage and run a play like forcing teams to at least prepare for that short yardage stuff was like you know there's a lot of benefits to why they try to do it it just didn't work And so maybe with a little bit more time and the fundamentals are better established and all that stuff. I think you saw late in the season, there were some plays that they did get a little bit better executing some of that situational football, the third down execution. Um, I think the third down execution against Texas was pretty good. Uh, For instance, fourth down, they tried the sugar huddle again. Um, And we know what happened, you know, late in the game when they tried to go four on fourth and one. But I do think there's some of the situational football stuff got better in the passing game too. So um, it's good to hear that they're able to kind of, they feel confident and comfortable enough to kind of be focusing on that kind of stuff. Cause that is a place that this team absolutely can make some big jumps. Yeah. Last year I watched a seminar that Andy Kotelnicki gave. It was like a coach's clinic or something. And he had like a whole PowerPoint presentation and I don't remember all of it. It was a long time. It was like summer last year. So we're going back a while. I guess that would be exactly a year ago. Um, and I, was, I think one of the things he highlighted was exactly what you just said about stealing time. And like they are so detailed in terms of tracking. They want to operate out of however many second and five situations or third and long situations that they, like other coaches do, mix it into so many other things. Mm-hmm. And they use that as a way to kind of buy that extra time. 
I, I am curious though. You said you had a takeaway from from Andy Kotelnicki's press conference, or you had a quote or something. I'm I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that really stood out to me um, was you know he's talking about it kind of ties back that he's willing to play four running backs, but the caveat to the willing to play four running backs comment is as long as it doesn't change the box count, mm-hmm. as long as it's not affecting the numbers for the quarterback. That's a, such a crucial thing is like, you know, there's only so much you, you can do personnel wise that it's going to benefit you when it comes to, you know, the, the number in the, in the number in the box for the run game or, you know, some stuff with the RPO personnel, like playing to the strengths of your team, playing to the strengths of the other team. There are limitations that are in place where it doesn't make logical sense. Like, obviously, hopefully there's a way, you know, maybe there's a way that they can figure out to, to throw four running backs on the field, but it's mm-hmm. got to make sense, right? It's got to make sense for the box count. And like, that's ultimately like when you're looking at the decision-making process, you can try to get all your talent on the field, but it still has to make, so there's still constraints on what makes sense and what doesn't. And that was just like that little caveat was interesting to me is like, and it's, I think that's everything you need to know. It's like, yeah, we would, I think it's almost like we would put forwarding bucks on backs on the field if we could, but it has to, it has to make sense box count. And like, that's what you're beholden to as an offensive coordinator is you're going to put your players in the best position. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to give yourself the best chance, it's always got to be logical sense from a box count for perspective, personnel numbers, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what they're beholden to. And that's the problem that he's got to try to figure out. That's why it's going to be interesting to see what their personnel groupings across the board are, how they counteract that and how comfortable they feel. And maybe even taking some chances with some of these guys. Ken, the term box count, I think KU fans understand the importance of that after going through <laughs> at least, you know, the, the, start of the less miles regime. Like think about some of those games, coastal Carolina stands out. I mean, they were facing a 10 man box. And I remember mm-hmm. talking to Carter Stanley and at the time, Carter Stanley is, is a starting quarterback for Kansas. And typically those types of people in those positions are not necessarily very outspoken. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, Hey, I'm not allowed to change this play. And there are 10 guys in the box and this kind of sucks. Like mm-hmm. we know we've got to hand it off up the middle they know what we're doing. We're in I formation. We're going to do that patented, you know, toss, toss power, power toss. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's it. Like that's the play. And so I, I think that that is such a good point. And, and again, that just goes back to Andy Kotel, Nikki, like his, I, I, his desire to understand why things work, which I think a lot of coaches do, but then his willingness to break away from even what he'd like to win with, you know, so to speak, like wide zone, outside yes. zone. Yes. That's the example, right? Like they want to do that. That's why they went and got Scott Fuchs. That's why they've went and got the personnel. <laughs> You're, you can't laugh every time I say <laughs> the name of the offensive coordinator. Um, no, that's why, that's why they go and get these guys. And mm-hmm. they, you know, Andy Kotelnicki tells a story of going out to dinner with him. And, and he's like, drop these plays. Or how would you do this? And they knew they aligned. Um they're willing to break away from that too when they feel like they can be versatile with the offense or do different things. And I think there's such a fine line early in a program between teaching and putting things in place that you know are going to be successful later Mm -hmm. and then scrapping them when they don't work. And I think this KU staff does that as well as anybody in the country. I think the word, I I, I don't know if I brought this up on the show last week, but it's something that I definitely feel about this unit is the egos out the window Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, uh like in some ways there's not an ego about this is my system this is how i do it this is the way i'm going to coach this team up we are going to fit players to fit my system it's the inverse of that it's it's 
I'm not going to say that these, I mean, these guys, this is a high testosterone, high intensity, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an industry that is just of great intensity and there's, there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of testosterone running through, <laughs> through that whole organization. But I do think that there's enough humility within the coaching staff, I think across the board to be willing to adapt to what's going to work best to help them win football games. And that doesn't always, that's not always the case. You know, there's alignment within that organization. It's, it's abundantly clear. I'm outside looking and it's abundantly clear that there is, um, there is a commitment to the ultimate commitment is just to winning football games. And none of them really care how it gets done. They just care that it get, gets done. And their willingness to adapt um, to try to achieve that ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to run outside zone. The ultimate goal is to win football games, you know. And so it's it's so it's um, it's really it's cool to watch. And I think honestly, I think the players feed off that too. I think I mean, like you talk about culture. Like I think that speaks bigger to their entire culture. Is like that's the kind of culture that they've built from the top down you know, the egos out the window, the buy-in as a unit is so abundantly clear. I think you're starting to see that trickle down with some of the players and how they've talked about things. And like, that's when you've got something good going is, you know, and, and, and that's where culture and leadership matter. And that's why, you know, uh, Lance Leipold has brought in the guys that he's brought in. Yeah. Ken, I, I, I think this is almost a good point to kind of circle and and end this on i almost said circle back on which is a sign that i've worked in an office like way too long that is an office term that means we're never getting back to that welcome to corporate to welcome to corporate culture buddy yeah we're gonna circle back on that later that's a great <laughs> point we're gonna circle back on that it's it's a really good point no 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 we're gonna do that project we're, we're, we just gotta regroup um talk through that internally and then we'll circle back on that mm -hmm. um kansas coaches it, it they do seem to have that blend of flexibility, of adaptability, of humility, which I think is a good point to bring up. And also now continuity. Um, you know, like that saying, the best of ability is availability. Mm -hmm. Well, I would argue the best of, you know, ability in coaching is not continuity, but I'd argue it's a huge part of it. And for these guys that have had three, four, five different, however many coaches, um, position coaches, head coaches, sometimes offensive coordinators, certainly like that's not, that's not Lance Leipold's way of doing things. And I think that's why there's trust to try different things. Um, I'll tell a very, very, very quick story from the coaches, like introductory press conferences. I found an article um, that said coach Zabrowski quarterbacks coach um, that he was calling plays uh, alongside Andy Kotelnicki. Like they were sharing co-offensive coordinator play calling duties. And so I went up to him and I asked about that. I was like, how does that work? Two guys calling plays. And he looked me in the eyes first day. I mean, this is one of the first questions I ever asked the guy first time he's ever met me. And he goes, I don't call the place. Andy calls the place. And like, that's it. They know their jobs. They fall in line. I, I think continuity, trust, Lance bringing people along who have been with him at Wisconsin Whitewater, who were with him at Nebraska Omaha, who are with him certainly at Buffalo, who have been with him for 20 years sometimes. I think that stuff, I, I think that tells you that there's that connection on the coaching staff. Which like, it's, it's kind of interesting at the same time because there has been some turnover you know in the it, with recently with their you know with their um with their coaching staff a little bit they've lost with coaches i would just say with right. coaches that aren't lance coaches right but they had someone ready for it yeah. you know they had someone waiting in the wings it's like oh this guy's an analyst this year okay mm -hmm. um <laughs> but um yeah no i just think like i, I, I he's he's got a good i mean I, 
he's got a he's got a good group together. He's got a group group he trusts that is aligned with him. And I think that's like I think when you the, what you see a lot of times is the way that manifests itself is like Buffalo didn't have a ton of top tier recruiting classes when when Lance Leipold was there. Uh, but that group coached a bunch of kids up and some kids wound up making it to the league that he recruited. And uh, I think it's just kind of, you know, I think that's a reflection of, and that's a byproduct of all the things that, you know, start top down and that group's really, man, it, it, I, I love listening to them talk. I love listening to them talk. I'm, I, I'm still very curious on Brian Borland side, the defensive coordinator. Like there's mm-hmm. still a lot more questions for me. I, I, I have a pretty good pulse. Maybe it's because I'm an offensive guy and I don't think defense mm-hmm. matters, but like, <laughs> I I feel like I've got a pretty good pulse on like what Andy Andy Kotelnicki wants to kind of foundationally establish, and there's a lot of different ways it manifests itself. But like Brian Borland, he did not have the horses last year, <laughs> like at all, to do anything. And um, I mean, candidly, and a young a bunch of young kids, he's trying to throw out there at times too. I'm so interested to see when the cupboard isn't bare, what it looks like for him, and. Uh, yeah, we're gonna find out. But I, I, I mean, if 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 what we've seen to this point from this coaching staff across the board and what we've seen culturally is any indication, I have zero doubt that Brian Borland's gonna figure out when he has something to work with. We owe we owe a Brian Borland show, Kent. You've got a hard out, so let's wide zone this. I want you to plant, cut, and take us home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna bend back a little bit here, back inside. That's gonna do it for booth review. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to my friend at Jason Scott. Mm-hmm. And thanks to my friend at Kent, no underscore Swanson. Just what? remember that, no underscore. That guy in Canada is going to love this show. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.